Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Jets Podcast on 247sports.com. Along with Rick Lachland, I'm Daniel Feuerstein. We have a very special guest today, and hopefully you saw her on Fox Sports 1 this past Tuesday. And it is, of course, the very first female scout in the NFL, as well as the very first female scout of the New York Jets. The one and only Miss Connie Carberg is with us. And Connie, uh, welcome back. I know it's been a while, but we just want to say thank you for coming back to talk about this great episode of NFL Presents that they did on you. Uh, welcome back to the show. Well, thank you, Daniel, and also thanks to Rick there. And uh, it's a pleasure to be on. And uh, as I said, NFL Films did an amazing job. I was I was thrilled with it myself. <laughs> Oh, I'm glad you were, and you know what? I have to tell you, and I know I tweeted this. I know you responded to it, and some other uh, people did as well. The two things I loved about that whole segment was, you know, your energy, you know, your your energy of not just your love for the New York Jets, but your energy for the game of football in, you know, going forward and everything. And plus, how can anyone wipe that smile off your face? You are (laughs) just a wonderful person. You know, what you've done for the New York Jets to find all these great, talented players uh, to bring them over during the draft, uh, scouting them, everything going on. And I know you're still doing it uh, with today's players, with, of course, you know, watching what Sam Darnold did in his rookie year this year. Uh, You know, those are the two big things that I can say that, you know, this is why the New York Jets organization was very lucky to have a person like you helping them out drafting and scouting these players. Well, thanks, uh, Daniel. As I said, I was very – the Jets were really ahead of their time, really. ahead of everybody's time back then and didn't make a big deal of it. Um, I just was very, very fortunate in a person having a passion and a love for something so much that actually turned into my job. And then from one thing leading to another, I had so many wonderful male mentors – um, and then having it become uh, becoming a scout, it was just uh, it was just phenomenal. It was a dream, as I said, come true. And, and Connie, having the opportunity to watch that, and I believe it was your brother that said, uh, you know, drafting Mark Gastineau, that he was really the embodiment of if you were a football player, his attitude, his passion for the game, that he embodied all of those qualities that uh, you possess, and you know that may have gone into somewhat you selecting him and thinking that he could be what he ended up being, a sack leader, an impactful player. How rewarding and gratifying was that for you to be able to have a player that's really an extension of yourself on the field? You know, it was really funny. And it was actually my son who was actually the one that made my, you know, my website and everything. And he saw me through the years as I coached, you know, flag football. I've coached all different sports, both boys and girls. And he, he knows the kind of person that I am, even when I, coached them growing up so he saw as growing up he saw and then he's he's known mark in newcastle as a since he was a baby and the way mark was to him so he saw the whole thing too as um as he said how mark was very similar to what i was as a person and what i chose but what sold me on mark besides his speed of course and size and all but the extra thing that he had that made me choose him over the other people that i called about so yes it was so it was so satisfying I had no idea that it was going to turn out that way. You know, we all say, oh, sure, I knew that. But, you know, you don't. It's um, uh, Drafting and, and uh, selecting still is not an exact science, no matter how much we've gone along, even to today. But, you know, when, when you do have, um, hit on somebody 
or somebody comes through you, you sure do feel good about it. And you know, Tony, obviously Mark- I mixed up I mixed up your son with uh, your with your brother with your son just because of how youthful you are. So sorry about that. I, tell, I, I love it. Rick. You, you can do that anytime, Rick. I like it. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. That's, yeah, no anytime. problem at all. Anytime. You know, Connie, you know, just to go on Mark Gastineau, I mean, obviously when, when I was a kid watching the Jets play and, you know, seeing the New York Sack Exchange for, you know, Salam, uh, Marty Lyons, yeah. Joe Klecko, and Gastineau, just it's, it's amazing to see that, you know, you liked him not just because of his skills that he had, but his high motor. I mean, we rarely hear that about players that are in college who are, you know, they have certain types of skills, but never about, you know, their work rate or, or a high motor of going after the quarterbacks, playing tough defenses. Was that what you saw that you felt that should be every New York Jet football player, whoever you scouted? That was, uh, for me, that was a very, very big thing. Yes, is, is that type of a non, nonstop on going after it on every play. Um, I, I didn't want to have a, a kind of player where you thought he might take every third play off or you didn't know that he was going to show up. Even to this day, I, I feel the same way. Um, you know, I know Jamal Adams is going to be giving everything he's got. And if a guy makes a mistake or if, a, if something happens or he misses a tackle or something, that's okay. But I know that he's giving everything that he's got. If I, when I see a player that um, is just not there or didn't show up that Sunday, that really bothers me more than anything because um, – Talent is one thing, but desire, just like J.J. Watt, something like that, you know that every moment he is giving everything. There are certain players you can't measure the heart. You can't measure the football smarts. You can measure, uh, you can measure brain smarts as far as book smarts. But there's two things that go together with football, how quickly they pick things up and digest it when they're, when they're taught and do it consistently, and then that motor that's nonstop all the time, yes. Connie, I have to ask you, I mean, this was an unprecedented quarterback class, whether you talk about Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield, Josh Rosen, and even Josh Allen, of those quarterbacks, and again, a lot of this uh, depends on the scheme they're in, the coaching staff around them, the personnel, but who do you project as to be the top quarterback in this draft class? Because I think, I'm not going to say it's going to be the Phillip Rivers, Eli Manning, Ben Roethlisberger type of class, but I just have this feeling that in five or ten years, uh, at least three, if not all of those quarterbacks are going to be in discussions for uh, either MVP or at least Pro Bowl selection. So who ultimately do you think will be and project as the top quarterback in that class? Yeah, you know, Rick, what's so interesting is, so nowadays it is because of social media, because of the different schemes that different teams use. It's, it's so different. In the old days, everybody was playing, you know, um, the, basically back in the old days in the 70s and 84-3, and you didn't blitz as much. And ever, so basically what team you went to, things were pretty, fairly basic. But now there's um, offenses and how they're run and uh, same thing with defenses. So I, um, also the city that they go to. Baker Mayfield, who I think is a great quarterback. I mean, I love the way he plays. I don't think he would have been quite as successful coming into New York with the big city trying to handle the way the, a tough press and that type of thing. So I think going to Cleveland was ideal for him. Sam Darnold, who has – I'm not an Eli Manning fan because I can't stand the Giants. I'm sorry, Rick. But I, I can't <laughs> – <you know, laughs> they've, they've been my enemy forever. Um, just we were second-class citizens as a kid. But – 
when, um, when I, I loved Sam Donald from the time that he started out at USC and just watching him even, even there, but he fits the temperament of it. You have to have like an Eli Manning where um, you can let things kind of roll off your back and the different things in your even temperament along with ability uh, to do things like for Mark Sanchez was such an emotional type player. He took everything to heart, which is a, a really tough thing to do when you're playing in New York. So I think uh, same thing with Josh Rosen. I think where he is out now in, you know, in Arizona is much more likely to be successful there. And Josh, so I think where they all went, um, and then of course uh, Lamar, he has a great chance because they're building the offense around him, and they have got somebody that's willing to do that. In the old days, nobody ever did that. You just, you know, you just put a quarterback in, and he had to play that basic system. They had to be six foot four and two twenty, and they had to play it. So I, you know, I love Sam Darnold myself. That's who I, I wanted. But I also think where they ended up is very important. Um, if I can ask you this, Connie, you know, as we all know, the NFL Network, once the Super Bowl is over, everyone looks at, uh, you know, the free agency period, and then they go right into uh, the combine to see these players, how they perform in a professional setting of some sort, even though there's not really that much uh, physical contact going. Do you feel the combine has been a positive or maybe it's been a bit of a negative because of maybe the way it's been, I don't know, possibly over-publicized for the NFL whenever it's on the NFL network, or do you think it's been you know, a positive? Well, you know, I'm addicted to it. I can't, I can't help it. I mean, I love every minute. I watch every minute of it. But, you know, the part, of course, the, the Jets were actually the first team to, to do something like a, um, bringing the players in for the physical when I was there at the, towards the end, they brought in like a hundred top players and they brought them into New York and got everybody that way. And then the combine started later on. So that, that part I think is excellent doing the medical and you have everybody in one place, which I think is a very important part and the interviews because then we did that too. interviews to find out players about them. And do they want to play a lot of players? Do they want to play in that area? What's going on in their mind? You know, how they react to different things. Um, you know, the 40-yard dash, of course, is important, but they just train just for that. And some of those skill things, you know, don't always translate. As we knew certain guys like a Mike Mogula was, was, had a fantastic um, combine, and then it did not translate when he got to the pros. And some guys, uh, same with Vernon Golston. But when, when he was at Ohio State, he really didn't play that well. I'm a Buckeye, so I can say that. He didn't play that great there. Hmm. But So it doesn't always translate. But I have to say, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to, you know, it's hard to stop something once you've started it. So it is right now probably the best thing that we can do. And as I said, for the medicals, uh, physical, the physicals and the interviews, um, and you're still able to get some things, I think, out of it. So I, um, I, I still think it's, you know, I'm, as I said, I am addicted to it. <laughs> <laughs> and I know... I know we're coming up on, of course, uh, championship weekend in both the AFC and NFC, but I know it's never too early to look at the NFL draft. And with the Jets, the number three overall selection, of course, last year at number six, trading up with the Colts, uh, getting Henry Anderson, and the Colts got their guy, Quentin Nelson, who was really a spark that helped Andrew Luck and that Colts team get back to the playoffs. And then, of course, yes. the Jets getting Sam Darnold. What, I, I'm not gonna, we're not going to get too deep into prospects and, and everything of that nature, but where do you think the Jets should go with that number three overall pick? Obviously, it's, the circumstances could change between now and the draft, 
but should they look towards the offensive line or now with this uh, Greg Williams coming in, a change in scheme, do they really have to go for an edge rusher and try to get a top guy at the number three pick? Uh, or do they possibly trade down and stockpile uh, options? What what would you do if you were sitting in Mike McCagnin's chair right now? Huh. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough call, but I, um, if, if possible, you know, there's a lot of good players in that first, you know, t- 20 group at least, real good players, and not not some that are like just so great that you have to have them beyond belief. So if if somebody's willing, because we don't have a number two right now, so if we could get another, get a, a, back, a second round pick back again, and we have two thirds, uh, and if we had to move down a little bit, six or seven spots, and then pick up a second, I would do that in a heartbeat, uh, because I still think we could get. A, um, there's, there's tons of defensive players right now this year, really heavy. Even though we do need another, uh, we do need offensive line. There's no question there, but we still need speed. You know, we need somebody to be able, to be able to come from the outside. We we didn't just still need speed on defense you know we've we've had the guys on the interior and i know again we keep losing some of them but we do definitely i still think we need an edge rusher and we need um i still think we need help in the defense defensive backfield always need help there so we you know we still need some things so there's going to be players that are really good available to us whether we're at three or if we have to move down to eight or 12 i'm still fine with that especially if we could pick up a second if I can ask you this, Connie, you know, seeing some of these uh, former Jets talking to you on the on the program, obviously Chad Cascadden is uh, one guy who was always a solid defender. Um, and, of course, you know, like you already talked to Sam Darnold uh, and everything else. Is there one particular player outside of Mark Gaston? Oh, yes, we have to bring his name up because, you know, he yeah. really highlights you for – getting him into the NFL and being in the, and being, you know, in the, uh, with the jets and everything uh, outside of Gasno, who else did you like that you were involved with drafting, uh, bringing them over to the New York jets on draft day? Well, with every, most of the other players when after, um, after they named me a scout in 76, I then proceeded where they would send me out to Ohio state and up to Boston college, down to the orange Bowl, other places, and then I did a lot of film work, and then I was also, you know, interviewing players when they brought them in. So I was just part of the group um, where you would put your, you know, do your write-ups, and that proceeded. At that time, there were no computers, okay? It was a very different world. <laughs> your, all, all, all your write-ups by hand, and then everything I remember the books, okay? So everything went into the books with all the scouts, and then you also had a combine. You had a scouts with like Blesto and different, you had a national combine and Blesto that you shared with a couple of other teams. Plus you had your own team scouts. So with that, that's where that all went in. Then once that was in, then I was, as I said, I was manning the phones during the draft room. So um, I wasn't like specifically uh, other than making that one draft pick that, but that was the year before I became a scout actually. Um, Mm. So I didn't go out out of my way to say this is the one that I want. But my all my reports were in there, and all my film grading was in there with along with all the other scouts. Then it was up to at that time um, it was the director of player personnel who was Mike Hollaback. Um, before that was Homer Eddington, and then it was and along with the head coaches and general managers. It was just done a little bit differently back then um, to make the they made the final decisions. 
And, Connie, there was an article that we posted on the Jets 247 sports page that linked Mike McCagnan, who, of course, his calling card and uh, a lot of how he made his name for himself in the NFL was through scouting in the Houston Texans organization, and that linked him to Adam Gase in this ultimate hiring. I'm curious to get your thoughts on the Jets' hiring of Adam Gase, and I know a lot was made of that introductory press conference. Some was humorous. Some, I thought, uh, was a little bit uh, personal with, you know, googly eyes and yes. all sorts of memes that were that were going out there. I mean, but unfortunately, that's the nature of the, the New York media market. So what did you make of that introductory press conference as well as the Gase hiring overall? Yeah, I know the introductory was was just not. You could see he just wasn't comfortable. That's that's not. He's always got a he's always got a baseball cap on. Always. I've never seen him without it. You know, and just like when the Cleveland Browns coach did, he had a suit on, but he had his he he wore his uh, Cleveland Brown cap. And I think if he if Adam Gase had worn that, at least he would have felt more comfortable. Because after he did the initial um, press conference, and then he went and he talked to Eric Allen. And he talked to a few other people, and they were just talking about football. It was like a, it was like just changed completely. And then I heard him on Dan Levitar. I thought he did a great job, and he was discussing and had with a sense of humor, but still very firm. So I, I was very, I was very pleased. And um, you know, he was down here in Florida where I was, and as I said, I I knew he was very good offensively, and I. I you know, as as far as as offensive stuff, I didn't know. How, you know, you, you never really know when you hear different things uh, with, with defensive people and can you manage the whole team. But I think, as I said, when you go to now, you've, you've done this for a couple of years. He did not have um, a great team and sometimes a great situation down there in Miami, but I think he's coming into a um, much better one now. And with Greg Williams, I, I really like this now. And the more that I'm listening, you know, you try to always come into everything with the open mind and, he really just loved his football and um, with such a passion. I think that's going to come across. I think he's going to, um, there's going to be a lot of electricity. So I'm, I'm really getting, the more I'm there, the more I'm pleased. Yeah, I mean, that's the hope here, Connie, that, you know, we hope that Adam Gaze is the right man uh, to be the coach of this uh, Jets team. And at the same time, uh, we're hoping that, you know, um, you know, he can do for Sam Darnold what he's done with the past veteran quarterbacks he's worked with. Um, but besides that, if I can ask you this question, has there yeah. ever been a player you've scouted in the, in the, in the, uh, in the college football and the Jets drafted him, but he didn't pan out to be what he should have been? I mean, we, we've already talked about Vernon Golston. Is there a certain player mm-hmm. that you saw that maybe you thought you had a, everything down correctly, but then he just didn't peg out? You didn't pan out, excuse me. Oh, there were some, but I, you know, I really don't want, like to, you know, you don't want to say too much about that because I don't want to, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, there were there were guys back. We we had some poor drafts. The gentleman that I worked for named Mike Hollaback in seven. If you look at the Jets drafts in 1976 and 77, that um, uh, I learned a lot from, and those drafts that formed so much of the team uh, where we did uh, 70 after that, we made some mistakes. Uh, 79, we did really well. We coached the senior bowl and we had Marty and Gastineau won two those years, which was a great one. A senior bowl is a great thing to be able to coach in, but I, you know, I, I really don't want to say who I thought. Cause I don't, you know, as I said, it makes you, if they hear you, you really, no. you really feel bad about that. <laughs> no, I understand. I understand. You know, but 76 and, and 77, if you take a look, um, 
as I said, those were the years when we got Marvin Powell, Wesley Walker, um, you know, Matt Robinson, Richard Todd, uh, Joe Klecko, Abdul Salam, um, God, Kevin Long, Scotty Durking. I mean, I could go on and on. Mm-hmm. You just said they were the most amazing yeah. two drafts in a row. Um, and this is before you had computers, before there were pre-draft physicals, before there were um, pro days uh, like they have now, extra stuff. And um, so to me, uh, I, that's where I learned so much uh, from a gentleman named Mike Hollerback, who was phenomenal. And, Connie, you know, getting back to the Adam Gase hiring, and just for me personally, watching him from afar, seeing the quarterback situation he had down there in Miami with Ryan Tannehill, of course, who was bordering. They were hopeful he was a franchise-type quarterback, couldn't stay on the field, couldn't stay healthy. Brock Osweiler, I mean, he really had a rotating quarterback carousel. And, frankly, you know, that first year going 10-6, and making the playoffs, uh, losing to the Pittsburgh Steelers, and then followed by the last two years out of the playoffs. Miami, up until the final two games of this season, was very much in the hunt. So I I was impressed with Adam Gase, but uh, one of the things that Christopher Johnson said, which I thought was pretty telling, is he, he said that he felt that Adam Gase is coaching where the NFL is going, which I took as kind of a somewhat of a slight at Mike McCarthy, who, you know, is an old school kind of guy, uh, you know, wondering maybe if the NFL is passing him by. Do you think there is any uh, truth to that, the fact that the Jets were trying to make a hire that could maybe connect with a younger quarterback, was coaching in a forward-thinking type of way? And do you think, as a lot of the reports are out there, it came down to staffing issues with Mike McCarthy, or do you think the Jets really just wanted to go in a different direction? You know, I wish I could tell you I, that I don't, I, you know, I really don't know what their thoughts were. I don't know how, you know, you hear all the different, you hear all the different stories. And again, I, I don't know what their thoughts were on Mike McCarthy. I don't know how, you know, how much power or whatever he really wanted because, you know, you're, he's coming into a situation where you already have the GM and everything. So how much was he really asking for that type of stuff? So that part, and then you heard about the thing with rule and, and that they weren't wild about what people he was um, looking for as when he named what he thought as assistant coaches. And now we see with Gase, they named, um, you know, Greg Williams, who really had no previous working relationship with Gase. So they, they, they kind of are selecting for him. So it, it's, um, I, I don't think it was really a slap. I just think that right now, um, uh, McCagden and with um, Johnson are both, they're both on the same page of figuring out this is their plan. And this is, they wanted to go forward on a certain thing. They had certain people in mind and whoever's going to come into coach was going to have to basically go, you know, go with that. And um, I, I think Adam Gase is definitely willing to do this because he's an off, he's really an offensive guy. And, and Connie, if I could follow up very quickly on that at a, uh... Daniel and I feel this way, and I get your thoughts on this, that we feel as though the Johnsons, whether it's Woody Johnson, whether it's Christopher Johnson, uh, they're, they're really kind of inserting themselves into a lot of these football decisions. And, you know, may, like you had said, kind of force hiring a defensive coordinator, trying to put, let's say, a square peg into a round hole situation. Do you, do you think that maybe they're overstepping their boundaries as a way in a way as the owner and they should let the football operations people make the football decisions. Uh, because again, that could be a deterrent for a lot of candidates that wanted to handpick a lot of their assistant coaches, but 
Um, I could understand from Matt Rule's perspective, he wanted to bring in a lot of college coaches with limited NFL experience. Yeah. But in the case of Mike McCarthy or Adam Gase, do you do you see this as potentially uh, a troubling sign, uh, you know, for for Gase and for any future coaching candidates with the Jets? Uh, no, I really don't. I think, as I said, last time we went outside, you know, to have somebody try to pick somebody. Um, before that, we picked, you know, we picked a guy that's real loud and uh, boisterous and different, you know. So, you know, as I said, there's there's so many different ways. And, and you know, you just you just don't know. Um, nobody knew Andy Reid was going to be great when they, when they picked him out of there. Nobody knew Mike Tomlin was going to be great and the way it was done there. You know, it's it's so hard um, to project to project how to do it and how it's, and whether or not something is going to work. Uh, that's what I've learned since I've been through, since you know since the '60s. I've seen so many changes, as you can imagine. You know, with Pete Carroll having one season and then being gone, I've seen Charlie Winter and I've seen Walt Michaels, who you know I adored, and everything else. And then Joe Walton come in, who everybody wanted, they thought, until all of a sudden he became head coach, and then all the players felt he changed completely. So I mean, and so everything, you know, yeah, I, I just you can go down the list and all the different things that have happened. So I, I don't know. I'm just myself, you know, as you can probably tell, I'm an optimist. And I am a person that just I, – I just love my Jets, and um, I'm going with it. So let me ask you then about Joe Klecko. Is it a crime that this man who has played three defensive positions for the New York Jets is still not in the Pro Football Hall of Fame? Yes, I, I really don't understand it myself. I don't know why. I can't – you know, figure that out or what, you know, what the reasoning is. It's so hard. Uh, they don't shine too much. The Hall of Fame doesn't shine a lot on the Jets, as you can see how few have gotten in. Um, it's really a small, small amount, you know. And so, but I, I really, I really don't. You know, you're much more likely um, if you're a 49er. And, of course, they won a lot more, and we almost did we, you know, we came really close uh, into the mud bowl, but um, oh yeah, <laughs> when Shula didn't put oh, the tarp yeah. down. Okay, but <laughs> um, <laughs> so, uh, but as I said, it is. I, I don't know what the reason is, or not even to make the you know, not even to make the finals or be into the discussion. You know, if, if he didn't get in, I don't. You don't even see him making the finals, which is really hard to understand. I, I really, I wish I, I wish I could could understand, you know, somebody would say something or could explain it, because I can't. Exactly. And, and Connie, I I have one final question for you before I bounce it back to Daniel, and, and thank you again for sharing your inspirational story for men, w- women that want to enter this profession, and a lot of the boundaries that you uh, broke over the years. My question to you relates to this weekend's games, of course, and, you know, the picks that I'm going with, I'm I'm taking the Saint, the uh, New Orleans Saints uh, to beat the Los Angeles Rams and the Kansas City Chiefs. I, I think will get the job done and knock off the Patriots. What are going to be your weekend picks and potentially players to watch? Okay, all right. I'm I'm usually the lousiest picker in the whole wide world, but I will say I will, <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm going to go for the Saints. Um, I, you know, I, I'm a patriot hater, but you know, you. As, you, as you can tell, but <laughs> but I but I respect but I respect the heck out of Tom Brady. I have to, you know, for what he is, and I they have no right to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. I and mean, the Chiefs have, you know, uh, they uh, and, uh, they have the cheetah who runs a four two six. 
they've got the best tight end who, you know, who with his speed, they have um, the running back who replaced a really good running back and now Williams, and he, he's two tenths of a, he runs a four, four instead of the other guy who ran a four, six. They have Mahomes, who's unbelievable. They have a good pass rush. There's, there's no position that I, uh, that I can say that the Patriots are better at than the Kansas City Chiefs. And so if, if the Patriots can actually win this game, it will be the, the, the biggest, to me, the greatest coaching job in history. And my final question for you is this, Connie. Uh, two things. Actually, two final questions. Number one, did you get the help for having Mark, uh, someone to pry Mark Gastineau's arms off of you when he hugged you for the just ring of honor? That's number one. And number two, number two, real quickly... I love your jet sneakers. Is there a man's version of them that I can get? Because those were awesome. Yes, you know they were on the first question, Bob. Well, yeah, Mark. We were joking around. We were there, there with his, his sister and his wife, and we were all up. And that was the Ring of Honor in the hotel room, and we were just having the best time, you know, goofing around. It was, it was, you know, that, it was so great because they showed the fun side of Mark, and which is so, which I was so glad to, to show to see. You know, um, the second yep. part. Uh, the sneakers, that was on a Facebook. Somebody had put those on Facebook um, a while back, and so I ordered them. And I don't know, I, I have to see where they were because they're, you know, they were, somebody had put, you can order them. And then they, they came out again in a little darker green, which I didn't like as much as these were. I don't know if they still, I'll have to look them. I'm, I'm going to see if I can find them for you, okay? All right. But they, good, they, good. They, and, and, and in fact, those are immense because I, I have large feet, and I have to wear a men's, oh. I have to wear a men's, men's sneaker. <laughs> wow that's amazing well listen connie we we appreciate you coming back on and you know you're more than welcome to join us again uh hopefully we'll have you on draft shows uh Uh, discuss the jets brought over congratulations on a successful segment on nfl presents we're very happy to have Uh, you on and you're welcome to come back anytime you know we love to have you back on oh you guys are always so nice thank you both daniel and rick it's a pleasure and uh, let's go Jet. Thank you, Connie. And, for, and forever a Jet. Thank you. Absolutely. Once a Jet, always a Jet. Connie, thank you again, and have a good night. Okay, bye. All right, bye-bye. And ladies and gentlemen, that will do it for the uh, 24-7 Sports Jets podcast. Uh, once again, we had on Connie Carberg, uh, as she is the, uh, the former New York Jets scout and everything else that uh, she did for the New York Jets. We salute her. Uh, we're very happy that she was able to come on the show and uh, to uh, help us out with all of these wonderful things. For Rick Lockland, I'm Daniel Feuerstein. This has been the Jets podcast on the 247sports.com podcast through blogtalkradio.com. Uh, we will inform you when there will be another show, but for now, enjoy the playoffs and the conference championships, and we'll see what happens Uh, and who goes to the Super Bowl. Have a good night. Take care, and bye-bye for now.